I said the Lord is good. Can we rise to our feet? Let's declare words. Let's declare words. Alright, Father, we give you praise. You are here in our midst. You are a good God. We are here to be like you. We are here to have our lives conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. We receive from you the spirit of wisdom. We receive from you the spirit of revelation. We receive from you understanding. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Therefore, let's declare the words of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person, wisdom is your portion. You are wise with God's wisdom. Take your seats as you do that. God bless you. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Can we open our Bibles? Um, last time I thought that I would have finished um, the culture of faith, but something kept on coming back to my mind, and I felt like um, we should talk about that again. Now, I want to read a number of scriptures to uh, begin today. Uh, let me first start by saying that um, sometimes you hear the Bible say things like, uh, God will not allow us to be tempted more than we are able to bear, and that with every temptation, he will bring a way of escape. And then that may not be our reality in life, in that there are many temptations we did not want to fall for, but we fell for. And it will be like, I couldn't do otherwise. It now makes it look as if the word of God uh, is not true. Um, we, have, we read things in the Bible sometimes, and I wonder, with all the pressures, is it really possible in life to live above sin, to live above the temptations of life? Now, sometimes you ask those questions, and let me just quickly give you an answer, which I've explained um, here in recent times, but just want to emphasize it again. And the, that the major problem we have a lot of times is that we, the time we are calling, the time we want to resist, is the time that we have already fallen. I don't know whether you are getting my point. We, we, are, we now want to resist the temptation. Meanwhile, the fact is that we have already fallen for it, or it has happened already. Okay? Now, so, I'm trying to say something here. The time that we're supposed to resist passed, we did not know it was important, so we did not resist. So we thought it was a small thing. We thought it was something that was not so serious. But you see, the truth is that everything we do in life is a seed. And whatever a man sows, what happens to it? No, let's quote it. What did he say? What did the Bible say? That shall he also reap. Now, that is, he doesn't have a choice. I don't know whether you're getting the point. It is not as if if you sow... Uh, um, orange. Orange is waiting for you. Anytime you need it, go and get it. No. God is saying, if you sow orange, it will grow. It will germinate. Now, this is the law of the Spirit. You must go and collect it. Nobody else will collect it for you. <laughs> you are getting that connection here. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That he shall reap it. It's not as if, um, you know, if you like, it will be available when he wants it. No. He must reap it. What am I trying to say? So, if we sow to the flesh... Okay, from that flesh we will reap whatever be the consequences. 
whatever the consequences might be, we must repeat. So, so if you are sowing a seed, now listen to this. If the consequence of the seed you sowed is a walk in sin, you will walk in sin. Did you hear what I said? You will walk in sin. You cannot say, when it's time to reap, you now want to resist the temptation that says walk in iniquity. It can't work. It will not work like that. So the time you resist temptation, therefore, is the time you are, you are planting your seed. What am I going to say? Many of the seeds, many of the sins people walk in, many of the problems people walk in, many of the iniquities people see walking in, they are the reaping times for seeds they sowed into the flesh. So you are looking at it, why is this man doing this? Why is this woman doing like this? And you are telling the person, resist, resist. The truth is that it's too late to resist. The resisting time is the time of seed. Now you are fighting the fellow in the time of what? Harvest. Now you are thinking that, that you see, you must understand something. You now say, okay, when is now the harvest of that sin? Let me say something to you. Spiritual things work like this. When God created, he said, let the earth produce fruit trees, all right? That have what? Seed in them. So the fact that something is a fruit does not mean it's not at the same time what? A seed. So every fruit you see is also what? A seed. So we must understand the different levels of seed I'm talking about here, of fruit I'm talking about. They come in different levels. So the first level is that, I, I'm going to get practical in a moment. This first level is you plant a tiny seed. It germinates produces the opportunity to sow the same seed in a bigger measure. That now goes into the realm of the spirit, then now produces corruption. What am I going to say now? Let's take an example. One of the things we read from the scriptures in a moment is that in Israel, God gave every king a seed to sow. Joshua, God gave him the same seed to sow at the beginning. Now, what was the seed? God said to Israel, make sure your kings make a copy of the law for themselves. And then they read it. The key to success as a king in Israel, you will think, is obedience to the will of God. It's obedience to the laws of God. You will think the key to success is go to the temple a certain number of times. You will say, David said, I worship God, you know, um, three times a day. I pray five times a day, or whatever it is. So that is the key to success. You say Solomon's key to success was that he asked for the right thing. And I, talk, I teach things like that. You know, so he asked for the right things. But you see, that is actually the second level of seed sowing. This is you are seeing that this man did that were right. Those things were the fruit of sowing the first seed. Actually, the first seed that God gave them Solomon's seed was actually a fruit of the first seed. That is, when, when God came to Solomon and he said, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon said, give me wisdom. You know the story, that I want to be a good king and all of that. And God was very impressed. You know, God was very impressed. And God said, ha, you didn't have some money. You didn't have some long life so you can enjoy your money. You did not ask for the life of your enemy so you can enjoy your money in peace. You didn't ask for more territory for your kingdom. All you asked for was for wisdom. God said, for that reason, I will give you what you have asked for. Then beyond what you have asked for, I will give you every other thing you did not ask for. So you know what we, what we do as individuals? Now I'm, trying to, I'm getting practical on what I said earlier. 
So we focus, we focus on that seed. When God comes next, guys, don't ask for anything. No. Apart from wisdom. Now, the truth is that we are still selfish. Just that we have found a way to get our own you know, flesh satisfied. But we will not ask for the things of the flesh. We will ask for wisdom. Because we know if we get the wisdom, the private jet is coming. If we get the wisdom, money is going to come. Now, that's our reason. But actually, listen to this. It is not possible for, to ask for wisdom if wisdom is not important to you. When Solomon asked for wisdom, it was the fruit of the first seed. Are you getting it? It was the fruit of the first seed. But that fruit had what? Seed in itself. So when he asked for wisdom, that fruit was now being planted again as a seed. So that it now produced wisdom for him and produced long life and produced financial prosperity, produced stability in his kingdom, produced taking away the lives of his enemies. All of those things were given to him when he sowed that second seed. Are you getting my point? But what was the first seed? It is simple. Solomon said, when I was a little boy, my father used to say to me, that is what the first seed was, was paying attention to the words of his father. So he said, my son, attend to my words. That was the first seed. Incline your ears to my sin. That was the first seed. When I was a little boy before my father, he said, acquire, acquire wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all your getting, get understanding. Now, all of those things were the first seed. By the time that is that paying attention. Do you understand my point? That was the first seed. So let me give you an example. Have you ever thought about this? You see Samson. Now, what removes Samson here? What removes anointing? He told Delilah what he was not supposed to tell. True or false? True. So assuming you are watching the movie, if you are like my wife, you are watching a movie, when it gets to that point, my wife gets agitated. She will get up and shout at the screen. Samson, don't tell her. <laughs> she will be there. Oh, Samson, you will die now. Don't tell her. She will, she will get up, shake her hands in exasperation. Why will you tell her? I will, I will not be telling her what she knows already. Which is what? It's a film. <laughs> she told her before we got the disc. <laughs> or he told her. <laughs> he told her before you went to the bank to withdraw the money with which you bought the disc. He told her since last year when they did the movie. And he couldn't help telling her because the director said, tell her. <laughs> the script already said, tell her. Now, the, the truth is that my wife already knows all of these things. No, those the one who first got married. It was an issue. I said, sit down now. He has told her already, you know. <laughs> but now I don't bother anymore. When he says, don't tell her, I say, yes, don't tell her. So... <laughs> Everybody's happy. Samson is not telling. Now, <laughs> but you know the truth? Samson always told. Every time we get there, Samson will tell. Even with human beings, you know, it's easy. Pictures are very powerful. When you're watching a movie that you've seen five times, and you know what happened. The man, he, he, you know, he didn't know something was happening, and then he, he took a wrong curve, then he got, he got into a crossfire between two gangs, and he died. When you watch the same movie again, you still want to tell him, don't pass that road. Even though you have, you know, it's going to pass it. It's a human thing. Now, back to what I'm going to say. 
So this is what happens. In real life, therefore, we ask something. We feel like telling something. Assuming something is your friend, you want to go and tell him, something don't tell her. But I want to tell you again, something had to tell her. It was not at that moment something was telling. The telling of his secret to Delilah was the final seed that he was sowing to end his own life. But that seed was actually a fruit. It was a fruit of disobedience. It was a fruit of a young man that did not listen to his parents. It was a fruit of a young man who was already going here and there, and he went to Gaza, and there he saw a woman. And he went to this place, and there he saw a harlot. And he had been donating his strength to women. Now, the fact is this, the inner strength to refuse Delilah, he had dashed it to the other harlot. The inner strength to refuse Delilah, he had dashed to all the women that had been seen here and there. So, by the time he was telling Delilah, it was a fruit that he was resowing. They are in the principle here. That's why sometimes life may, be, may appear difficult. It's because when you tell uh, um, um, Samson, your father is talking. He was a young boy, 10, 12, 15, 18. And the father says, that's not how it is with the people of God. And he says, daddy, leave me alone, and he walks out. It may appear small. One of the things I tell my wife a lot of time when we're talking, I say, baby, stop calling some things small. Honestly, she's here. She knows how it gets on my nerves. If you say, why are you getting angry by a small thing? When I hear the word small, I get angry. That the things that kill, they are small. Have you ever seen what they call cyanide? Have you seen the dose of cyanide that kills? Have you ever seen a bullet that kills people? If I show you a real bullet, a real one, that is, I don't mean in a casing. I mean the brass head that kills. It is not up to the tip of this, my little finger. It's not. You know that one you see? Is the bullet with the casing, with the gunpowder, with the, with the, with the hammer, where the, where the hammer eats, where it ignites? Is everything put together? The real bullet itself that comes out and kills a man, kills an elephant. You know how tiny it is. But it has a lot of power behind it. And the things that are most powerful in life, that's how they are. They may appear very small. You will tell something. Your father is talking, you can't walk away. Then sometimes, some people say that, uh, you know, they don't realize, but you now say, ah, no, the man annoyed him. You know, that kind of thing. Start explaining some principles. And I call, the, call him and say, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that, Steve. Don't worry about it. That's the small thing. Samson was sowing a seed that will manifest later as inability to resist Delilah, which will now be the seed that will finally kill Samson. I hope, I hope you're getting my point. Maybe I should tell my message today. <laughs> the small seed. No wonder Jesus talked about the faith as what? A mustard seed. What was he trying to emphasize? One of, there are many lessons in the story of mustard seed. But one of the things the Lord was telling us is this. The things that do great things, they, are not, they don't appear big. They look tiny. They look insignificant. Why did the kings of Israel fail? They did not fail in the big thing. There was one single law that almost none of them obeyed. The only person that we have the record among the kings of Israel that he obeyed that rule was David. And that, I believe, was the greatest. That was why, that's why he was the greatest of their kings. Along the line, you find other kings coming to it for a brief period. People like Josiah. They will discover the law. They will read it. And then they will prosper. The key always was simple. Let's read that key. God gave them that key 
If anybody would fulfill it, the person was going to succeed. He told them clearly, this is what I want you to do. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. And when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over, your, over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply. Now notice verse 16. These are the things that he must not do. He shall not multiply horses for himself. Nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. That is, there are places they are not supposed to go because of money. Since the Lord has said, <laughs> very interesting. Since the Lord has said, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself. That's number three. Or else his heart will turn away. Will turn away. Number four. Nor shall he multiply, greatly increase silver and gold for himself. These are the minus, minus, minus. Don't, don't, don't. But every time God says don't, always look out for the do. Because the power not to, that the power for don't is in the do. Are you getting my point? What did I say? It's in the do. When he says don't do this, something else he says you should do. God never leaves us idle. He always brings us one thing that we must do. Now, this is what he said we should do. These people should do. The kings should do. Now, it shall come about, I'm in verse 18 now, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll. He will write it in the presence of the Levitical priests. I guess they're supposed to ensure he doesn't make any mistakes. Now, verse 19. This copy he has made, he shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, it's just one of them, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the left, to the right, or to the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. Now, did you notice this? Now, I want you to understand something here. This was the foundation for the success of every king in Israel. And almost none of them did it apart from David. Almost, I said almost. And that was why Israel did not have any, hardly had successful kings. Anyone that bothered to do this will succeed. If Josiah did this, he succeeded. I hope you're getting my point here. As long as you are doing this, you will succeed. If Ezekiah did this, he will succeed. When Ezekiah's son did not do it, he wouldn't succeed. Are you getting my point? When he didn't do it, he failed. When Solomon's son did not do it, he failed. When Solomon did it early in his life, he succeeded. As he became an older man, he forgot, and then he failed. So, the key to the success of kings in Israel was not in plenty wisdom. It was not in military tactics. You know, sometimes I see Christians, and that's what I'm going to. Sometimes I see Christians, you know, Christians, we are so eager for us to succeed. We are eager. What I'm trying to say is this. We don't want Christians to be poor. We don't want Christians to be sick. Now, because we don't want Christians to be poor and we don't want them to be sick, we preachers often make one little mistake. We now decide that we have preached long enough and we are not seeing the results that we want. You know what we start doing? We start giving birth to Ishmael. What do I mean by giving birth to Ishmael? We get up and decide that, well, let's start 
the pastor will not be the one organizing how to do business. <laughs> Teaching church members. Now, see, the, there's a fine line. It's very, you have to pray every day not to fall into this thing I'm talking about. If God has called you to pray, please stick with it. John the Baptist preached for 30 straight years before the first person got healed. And it was not under his ministry. It was under the ministry of Jesus that came after him. I hope you're aware of that. John the Baptist was preaching from the time he was a baby. His first message was a cry when they gave birth to him. As he came out, repent! Where am I? We are just giving birth to you. Relax now. He said, how do you know? The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's why I said that 30 years with confidence. Since I was a little boy, he was preaching. I don't know the exact time, but from the time he was an infant, they knew something was up with him. The whole of the nation of Israel heard his voice for nothing less than 20-something years. As a little boy, and it's not new. Modern day, we've seen it. We've seen six-year-old boys that preach. I believe that John the Baptist had his own even earlier. He spoke on time. But you know what? Nobody got healed. Not one person. The first miracle they saw was with Jesus Christ. Yet, Jesus did not do any miracle except to those who listened to John. I don't have time to go into that. For you to, act, to receive miracles from the Lord Jesus, you had to be baptized by John. He didn't have your time. All the Pharisees that fought John fought Jesus. We're talking about seed. They sowed the seed earlier. The seed for accepting or rejecting Jesus was sown during the times of John the Baptist. If you did not receive the baptism of John, you fought Jesus. You didn't have a choice. We don't have time to go into it now. I've shown you some of the things that Jesus used to say. He talked about the bridegroom coming. There were ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. You know, we interpret it all the time as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is true. I'm not saying it's wrong, okay? But the interpretation is much broader than that. It happens in your life every day. You don't have all the time in life to repent. There are, look, and I'm convinced of this. Look, don't joke away with your life. Every generation has only one season. Every generation has only one season. You gave your life to Christ. You're a teenager. You're 20 years old, whatever. See, that your generation. All of you. Your destiny is being decided within the space of like 10 years. What you will become after is decided. Now, someone I see young men sometimes making, I just feel sorry for them. Let me tell you the truth. One of the major things you can do for yourself in life is fail publicly. One day remove your cloth, cross the road naked, then come back home, dress up. They say, are you the crazy? Yes. He say, why? So that after that, you won't, you won't be ashamed of anything again. That's what I mean. So if you are poor, it won't worry you. Everybody rich, you don't have money. You know, it doesn't bother you. You know why I'm saying this? Because when you have to make critical choices that will establish your destiny, it's usually shame that won't let you do it. Sometimes young men, I just like saying this, they are called to ministry. They are supposed to make some critical choices. They will be in a place where there is not, they know everything that's been done is wrong, except that they see a ladder they can climb. If I stay here one day, I'll become the assistant general overseer. Or, or, or regional manager, sorry, regional pastor. Now, God is just watching him. How God will handle him, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know what's happening? He caps his destiny because he's looking for human security. You know why I said what I said earlier? That walk naked across the road. What I mean is this. Get disgraced early. 
so that you are not ashamed of anything. Because many times people are afraid, they are plotting their future, and even when it comes to economic prosperity. You know, somebody said something to me some time ago. I'm just going to give you the principle. I don't have the facts, but I'll give you the principle. He mentioned some of Nigeria's top industrialists. You know, he mentioned a number of them. He said these people, he said they are children of cat kids. <laughs> he said they are children of, you know, local pastors. What was he trying to say? That when it was not in vogue to go to church, when you were ostracized for following the white man's religion, their fathers followed. I don't know whether you get the point. They didn't make anything out of it. They just, God just called them and they responded to the call of God. Then as a result, there's a blessing that God collected and dumped on their families. But the children grew up relatively poor, nothing much, struggled through primary school, secondary school. But later on in life, the children became billionaires. And you know the truth? Nobody understands the story. That the men made choices that set their their families, their lineage, you know, on a path that nobody else understands. You know, I say those children are lucky. No, they're not really lucky that, like that. In a critical period, when nobody, we agreed to make certain choices, they did. Every generation has a limited time. People ask me sometimes, like I once went somewhere to preach. I talked about Delilah. That Delilah is a spirit. It's not a woman. When you see spirit, when you see Delilah in the Bible, Delilah is not dead. That girl of Delilah at that time, the spirit just possessed her and used her. That spirit is still here. He comes in all kinds of ways. It can be a man, it can be a woman, it can be an office, it can be a company, it can be a country. It can be anything. But it's important in life, I was explaining, that you conquer your Delilah. So the young man, of course, when I go out to do seminars, we often take questions. So he asks, how do I know my Delilah? Now, that's why I'm talking about it. The answer I give, I say, I don't know. How will I, do you know how many Delilahs are in this life? There's no software, facial recognition software, that can profile all of them. That what you need is not to know Delilah, is to maintain your strength and not waste it the way something wasted his own. And what am I talking about? By knowing how to sow the seeds that are important, the seeds that are right. Every generation has a narrow time. They don't have forever to make choices. What you will be at the age of, say, 60. Especially when you gave your life to Christ early. By the time you are 25, 30, it's been decided. And this is a painful part. I'm sorry to say this. And it cannot be changed afterwards. Because, listen, Jesus said it clearly. Once the bridegroom enters, they close the door. Once God starts his move in that generation, the door is closed permanently. We need to preach this. People don't fear. You need to fear. That's what like as Jessica. No faith. Faith with faith. You can get anything out of God. We're just playing. Forget that thing. Let me tell you the truth. If God breaks forth on the generation, anybody that has not entered into the banquet hall is shut out permanently. That's without remedy. Don't joke with your life. People think that it's every time you can always turn back. They said it's a sort for repentance. Diligently. With crying. With everything. But guess what? There was no room for it anymore. 
when the Lord Jesus told us parables, we thought he was joking. See those Pharisees? All of them were doomed. Once John the Baptist went into prison, their destiny was over. Once John the Baptist was taken into custody, their own don't finish. They were going to, why are you eating locusts? Don't they have a money suit in your church? Why are you <laughs> using camel? Is it goat skin? They will sit down and be discussing why they are eating suya. Why they are using well barbecued meat. They pounded their yam well, fresh onubusu. He said, Marcus, no, that's a, that's a, that's a Greek name. Find me a Jewish name. Nehemiah. He said, ha, 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 uh, chief of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin chief, how are you? You should go to the street John today. That guy is crazy, man. <laughs> I went by there, saw some foolish women, some small, small boys. He was dipping them in water. Muddy water. I have this new purifier in my house. Anytime I want to get baptized, it has to come here. Purify my water. I can I p- 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 pass the apples, pass the apples. And they are talking. And the day that John will be taken into custody is drawing closer on a daily basis. They will go and meet John. I say, John, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you this? He said, that one said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm being dramatic, but you know the truth? They did not know that each day they went to meet John, a day was being removed from their approach to destiny. Now listen to me, people of God. The moment John walked into custody, their own was over. When they say today the day of salvation is not a joke. I told that's why I don't believe in New Year resolution. New Year resolutions. I don't believe in New Year resolutions because why do I have to wait till the New Year? If I find out on December 16th that the thing should be changed, I change it December 16th. I want to wait till December 31st so that it can now be my new year resolution. People joke. The Bible has been warning us again and again. Many things will happen suddenly. The Son of Man will come like a thief in the night. Nobody expects him. Suddenly, he said, one will be taken and another will be left behind. That principle has been there. It's been there. It's been there. The moment John the Baptist entered into custody, all those people fighting John the Baptist, their life was over. It was over for them. Then Jesus came. They carried the antagonism to Jesus without being able to help it. That's what I'm trying to explain to us. They were not able to help it. It wasn't as if, yes, John the Baptist has come and Jesus has come. I, I like your ministry. You know, I prefer your ministry to that of your cousin, you know. I like the way you dress, man, you know. You don't wear that kind of, you know. And then eating, I've seen you eat. You eat well. You even drink wine. Good. John the Baptist was a crazy one. And you say you guys are related. And you feel like, you, you know, you start patronizing Jesus. I don't know what I get my point. Start feeling, yeah, Jesus, I like you. <laughs> Some people tell me like that. Say, I like your ministry, man, if I punch you. <laughs> Am I working for you? Like my ministry? But I believe what I say and just leave me alone. Why, why do you want to? Why, you want to be? You know, want to? I should be impressed that a small boy like you likes me. <laughs> I don't know what I get my point. Who are you that I should be impressed? Just go and obey the word of God. And they come to Jesus and be feeling, yeah, I like your ministry, but they didn't understand something. For not liking John the Baptist, they can only admire the ministry of Jesus. They could not be blessed by it. 
Let me say that again. The only thing left for them was just to admire the ministry of Jesus. They could not be blessed by it. The Bible says, let's read it so that you understand what I'm saying. That you know I'm not imagining these things. I, I will get back to my message. The Bible says that they frustrated the counsel of God for their lives. Having not been baptized by John. Can you believe that? That's all they did though. <laughs> Just because they were not baptized by John. That's what happened. They frustrated God's counsel for their lives. See, it's from Luke. Somewhere in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7. Uh, for time's sake, I won't read too many of the verses, but just want to bring out one. Okay, let's just read a few from verse 24. When the messengers of John had left, you know, they came to ask Jesus something. He began to speak to the crowds about John. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. He said, but what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. He said, no, those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are found in royal palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. And I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now listen to verse 29, which is why I read all of this. And verse 30. When all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice. Why? Having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. John was gone at this time. And it was longer in ministry. He was in custody. His ministry was over. Jesus did not preach until John was gone. He didn't. Go and read it. His disciples were the ones baptizing. Jesus himself was not baptizing until he heard that John had been taken into custody. That was the first time he opened his mouth publicly and began to declare, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. At this point in time, Jesus made a statement about John. Who were those who were baptized? You notice them? The tax collectors. <laughs> All the sinners, they were the ones baptized. They were the ones that received from Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus will walk to a pool filled with all kinds of people. Pick one person out and say, you, get up, take up your pallet and walk. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. You know, I began a lot of this and I explained something about seeds. The seed that produced the harvest that we call in those days Jesus Christ walking on the earth, Jesus of Nazareth was the baptism that John did for a long time. And I'm emphasizing something. John the Baptist, the Bible says, did no mighty work. All he did was just to preach repentance to people. You were sick, John the Baptist told you, repent or you shall likewise perish. You came to him and said, I want to repent. He will dip you in the Jordan, bring you out again, you are still sick. So if you are looking for results, John the Baptist did not have to give you. I don't know whether you are getting my point. I've told you those who will not be lost in this life are those who pursue righteousness, not results. They are those who pursue righteousness, not, not the fruits for what they are doing, not miracles. They pursue righteousness. They want to know God because he's a righteous God. That's just what they want. Because that's all John had to offer. 
Yet John baptized and baptized and baptized. They was taken into custody. Then Jesus came on the scene. He preached the same message as John for a short while. Then suddenly something was remarkable about his own ministry. Trust the blind, they saw. Lame, they walked. The dead, they rose up again. Listen to me. It was not just an anointing upon Jesus. It was a preparation done by John for a long time. I hope you're getting my point. So sometimes you are in John's seasons in your life. Yes, yeah, sometimes your life is in the John season. Never get discouraged. Just keep on looking out for what righteousness. That's just an aside. Let's get back to the main message. What's the main message? We sow the right seeds. The kings of, in Israel, the key to their success was not military, you know, know-how. The key to their success was not in economic, you know, intelligence. I was saying, many times we Christian pastors, that's why we will now miss it. That's why I went into that John thing. We start looking for how to best Ishmael's. Why? Because the things that we want are not coming rapidly. But don't forget, there is a time of John. There is a time of John. What are you supposed to do? Persist in teaching the word of righteousness, the word of truth. He said, no, your Christianity is not just about prayer. Believe me, it's all about prayer. If you are the pastor, it's about prayer. The ministry of the word. It is prayer and the ministry of the word. It's all spiritual. He said, what did, when the time comes, God will settle those things. The kings in Israel, God's problem with them was not how which kind of good advisors they had. He knew how to send good advisors if necessary. And when you're no longer blessed by him, the advice of your good men will be thwarted. You know, David did not know everything. How can anybody, one person know everything? So you know what God did? Sent him a fell. There were two kinds of advisors around David. One, spiritual advisors like Nathan. Prophets. Who spoke the word of God to him. And then men like Ahitophel, who were secular, non-spiritual advisors. They just knew life. <laughs> Are you getting my point? Ahitophel would just say, look, what do we do? Ah, the tide is going to be high, so and so, so time. Ahitophel has something to tell you. We think inflation is too much. Call Ahitophel. Ahitophel will look and give you counsel on inflation. Of course, I don't need to tell you. To go to war, Ahitophel knew when to go, when not to go. But he was not a prophet. He was a layman. He was not a prophet. His counsel was so good that David, when he heard that Ahitophel had joined um, Absalom, he panicked. Why am I talking about that? Because David delighted himself in the Lord, God sent him Ahitophel. So God knows who to send. God understood that the advisors would be needed. David couldn't know everything, so God sent him Ahitophel. But when Ahitophel joined Absalom, because he gives and callings of God are without repentance, he was still giving sound counsel, but God blocked the ears of the people that he was counseling. So that they had to fail. Sometimes people tell me, what we need in Nigeria? Have you heard that thing before? It's good leaders. Have you heard that thing before? I hope you don't believe it. I hope you know it's a lie. There's, the truth in it is less than 10%. What we need in Nigeria is not good leaders. The first thing we need is good followers. Have you noticed something? Everybody wants to teach leadership, 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 leadership. Nobody teaches about following. Following is more important than leading. No matter how good the leader is, listen, Moses was an excellent leader. Did he didn't take anybody to the promised land? Where did I put? Where did they put? All of them died in the wilderness. Every adult. Yet, this guy was an excellent leader. A man they could worship. But nobody 
if you remove Joshua and Caleb, no adult that left Egypt followed this good leader into the wilderness, into the promised land. None. Why? They were bad followers. Now, I heard something the other day, so a few years ago, when I heard it was impressed me. They said, education in America is compulsory. And it's most Western world is compulsory. You have to go to school. And in many states in Nigeria, they make this compulsory too. In fact, I know a few states around us here, let me not mention names, that if they find a child during school hours playing by the roadside, they arrested the parents. Anybody knows about that? That is a child is playing. You check, it's 12 o'clock. Ah, it's worse if he's hawking something. They just say, we want to buy, let's go and meet your parents. You're you under arrest. This child did not go to school. And you couldn't tell they don't have money because the primary education at least is free. Now, in America, okay, those days, I'm not talking about now, it's still like that today, but then, they made it compulsory. Do you know the singular reason they make education compulsory? They said that uneducated people are not governable. <laughs> that if people are not enlightened, you can't reason with them. So the founding fathers of America said, everybody needs to be governable so we can have a country. That is, they realize that good leadership is of no effect if the people are not intelligent enough to be governed. So they said, whatever it is, your children must, they must know how to read. One of the states carried his own even further. They are not allowed to come to school until they know how to read and write. <laughs> yes. When I heard that one, I said, wow. There was one state in the U.S. like that. Your child couldn't come to school until they knew how to read and write. What does that mean? They forced the parents to teach the children how to read and write. So by the time you come to school, nobody's teaching you ABC. Let's not go into that. The point I'm making is this. It is not, people say leader, it's not leaders we need. It's followers. People that can be led. From amongst them, leaders will now be picked out. And those leaders will not have a problem. Please, forget it. All this one of leading, our problem we have in Nigeria is leaders is a lie. The problem we have in Nigeria is the people. I'm digressing. I'm saying so many things. What I just want to emphasize there, what I want to emphasize there before I leave it, is simply that only the church has a key to changing people. And they have the key by teaching them the truth of the word of God. You know the truth? I've not even gone near my message for today. I'm just scratching the face. I want to get to the thing I want to say. But I'm just <laughs> it's finding it so hard. <laughs> I'm not going to get somewhere. Now, why did I go into that? Trying to emphasize to us that sometimes what we call the problem is not what the problem is. In Israel, God said to Israel, if your kings will succeed, what they will do is to simply take a book, not two books, one book. As mundane as it seemed, just one book. The book of the law. The laws that Moses gave them. It did not include, include this story. One thing says that. It's not the stories. Just the laws. Everything that God gave them through Moses. The king was supposed to take it, write it down, and read. And if he would read, he would succeed. And he couldn't read it once and say, I've read it before. He was supposed to read it on a daily basis. He was not supposed to read it once and say, I've read that one. I found out I read the Bible all the time. If, if somebody asks me, have you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Do you know I can't answer yes or no? Yeah, you'd be surprised. Why can't I answer yes or no? I've never been, I'm not being a, a, a systematic, today's Genesis chapter 1, and I end in Revelation chapter 20 something. No. But do you know what? I can't remember any page I pick I've not read before. 
I like this modern day that we have technology so that now I shade, I put, I, beyond shading, I put notes and all of that. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring out something here. I read it all the time. Like I was saying to you the other day, I find out that it's, the book loves me, the Bible. The Bible loves me. I don't know about you, but it, no, I, I don't, I, 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 if I say I love my Bible, it's good, you understand? But I found out that my Bible loves me. It's always missing me. When I come back, I say, ha, banky. And you say you love me. I won't talk to you again. <laughs> Why am I saying this? Every time I open myself to my Bible, phew, see understanding. They'll be struggling to enter. One understanding will say, look, look, you've said you let me teach him another one. I'll open Genesis. If you see my Genesis chapter 1, you will run. I, my comments are longer than the content. Just that if, you know, God said to Adam, for this thing that you have done, ah, no, it's Eve, for this thing that you have done, I said, what did Eve do? I wrote a whole sermon on a plane. Just, ah, for this, I said, what did the whole woman do? I said, oh, she did two things. And I began to analyze the judgment. I said, oh, wow. What am I going to say? I can't read the, there's not like I've read the Bible. There's no bragging I've read it. There's no, I have not yet read it. What I have left to understand after these decades of studying it, yes, decades, literally, I began to study the Bible myself. You know, like, this is my book in 1987. That is studied. Now, before that, I was Christian, go to church, read. But then, when understanding began to come to me when I opened it, it was 87. How many years? 31. Thank you. Yet, I'm aware of something. I don't yet know a fraction. Now, I'm not talking about a fraction of what is there to know. I know. We all know that one. But I don't yet know a fraction of what I will know in this life. I don't know what I get my point. I know there's much more to know. We know that one. We're not arguing about that. But for me, Banky, to know in this life. <laughs> oh, God, I'm just scratching the surface. There are, okay, let me give you an example. The other day, I just took my Bible. And I noticed Paul talk about resurrection body. A new study came up. I said, I have to study what he's talking about. There is something to leak him out. I don't, you know what I mean? Leak him out. To look forward to. I said, ah, but we're not looking forward to it like that. There must be something about the resurrection body that Paul knew that we yet do not understand. I wrote it down. Banky, go and read up on this. I know nothing I can assure you. It's just wait. See, December is coming. Just wait. Resurrection body is waiting. I know if we settle down and start studying it, things will be jumping out of it. Why am I saying this? That's why God told Israel, your king should read it all the time. If if the man is a fast reader and he finishes it every one week, no problem. So in a year, 52, let him do. And he must never say, after reading it 52 times, I know everything. He will start again the following year and do another 52. It must be his habit. You know why? That's the key to success. Listen to me. Military strategies we talk to him from inside the book. Even though the commandments are not on military strategies, yet it will happen that while reading the book, he will discover military strategies. While he is reading the book, the spirit of excellence will enter into the head of one Joseph nearby. That one will come to him and say, Come to his people, please. I want to see the king. And they will say, He's reading. He said, Can I wait? Most certainly, because he's reading, 
Joseph living down the road, we have an idea on how to move the economy forward. And one angel will push Joseph. Say, my Lord, please, I, there's something I need to tell you. I have observed that the trading wheat is going in this direction. But that in olive oil is going this way. If we do not do this over the next five years, we are going to begin to have these problems. You know why that Joseph is getting the idea? Because this man is reading. He becomes like the pastor of Israel. He doesn't have to worry himself about other things. He will have wisdom. His military men will be strong. Go and read your Bible. David did not make himself king. Men made him king. After God anointed him king, men began to gather. People that were from the tribe of Saul, they came. They were skilled. They could sling with the left and the right. They sling at the strand of hair. They would not miss. Men that, as they are running, they are shooting. They don't stand to aim their arrows. That's how the Bible describes them. Valiant men of war. Many of them, more experienced, physically much stronger than David. Yet they will come to David, put down their swords, put down their spears, and say, listen, I'm in command here. These are my brothers. We are 200. Each one of them is a commander. We are at your service, sir. Oh, we should study the life of David. They'll say, how can we help you, sir? We are at your service. And David's duty is continue to read. So he will say things like, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. While David is meditating, men are solving problems. Let's see that one, one major text we have for today, which we have not read, which we all know very well anyway. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. What I've said up to this point to let us know that the key to success is not where men often look for it. I think we Christians, we pastors, have done a lot of disservice to the word of God. We don't understand it enough. We don't love it enough. We love methods. I hope I get my point. We love methods. We don't do the thing. We don't know that this book is life. Through it, the light of God shines into our hearts. Don't ever let anybody tell you things like, look, look, let's be practical. If anybody tells you that, walk away from it, say you don't know anything. That this Bible is practical. Why? It's God's word. It is practical. Just reading it, studying it, focusing on it, declaring the promises, putting the word on your lips. It is solve problems you did not even know anything. That is, you don't have a clue. For example, they said that there's a earth tremor in Abuja. Are you getting my point? What are you going to do about it? Okay, you're a geologist. You know what happened. So, yeah, when the people there take the word and put it in their hearts, the word will go, rescrew the tectonic plates in the right places. And they will not even know that there was supposed to be a tremor. One of the things I enjoy about the word of God, all right, is that I'm, I know it is solving problems that wanted to develop later. It will solve it now, and I will never know I was on the path to a problem. I like the way one man of God calls says it, say you can miss that mess. That it, you don't have to enter and then be delivered. It just doesn't happen. It's one of the things it does, the word of God. Joshua chapter 1. We Christians, we need to love it. We need to have faith. Even though it looks like we have a lot of time left, but I feel like reading this whole portion from verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, that is to the sons of Israel. Now listen to what God was telling Moses. Uh, to Joshua. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river Euphrates, 
all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea. Verse 5. Now listen to this. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong. Now follow this. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give these people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Now let's go over that again. God first told him, verse 6, be strong and what? Courageous. Look, you will give them, you will fulfill the promise. God will fulfill it through you. He said, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. He qualified the second time. Very courageous. You see where I'm going. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, let's go over this again. He said you will possess the land. True or false? He said, what do you need to do? Be strong and courageous. Next, he told him, only be strong and very courageous. Now, notice where this very courage was going. Being very courageous was not in battle. He said, be careful. It takes courage to obey what the Lord is saying. He said, be very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Now, notice that is a seed. What is a seed? Be courageous in obeying everything that Moses commanded. Make sure that you don't go to the left or go to the right. Be courageous in doing that. I hope you're getting my point. That is the seed for success. Somebody say amen. amen. But guess what? It's also a fruit that has seed in itself. Courage to obey. Courage not to go to the left or to the right. Being careful to obey. Listen to me. It's not easy. That's why he needed what? Very courageous. Are you getting my point? He needs to be very courageous. He needed it. But like, you remember what we began from the, at the beginning? That's what? The second level of seed. This is not the first seed. This is a fruit that has what? Seed in itself. What is the first seed? Look at it. At least in this context. This is as far down as we can go in the seed line. This is the first seed. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now notice this. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, notice something here. Listen, this is how he went. Success is where we are going in everything we do. To take the land, to help the people possess the land, that is success. So it's a fruit. But what is the seed for that fruit? He said it's in being courageous, in obeying everything that Moses said. That is the seed of success in that regard. I hope you're getting my point here. But that seed we said is actually a fruit with seed in itself. So what is the seed for this particular fruit? It's not in trying to obey Moses. It's a simple thing. The same thing he told the kings of Israel through Moses. Which is what? Take the book of the law and meditate on it day and night. That is the seed. If you don't read the book, is it a terrible sin? Does it look like a terrible sin? I wanted to say but you know what God is saying? Joshua, if ever it happened that you ran away from a giant because you lacked courage, it wouldn't be because of the height of the giant. 
It will not be because the giant caught you off guard. It will not be because that particular day, it was a bad day, you know, your wife quarreled with you, your children were insubordinate, you just had a rough day. No. He said, if it ever happened that you ran away from a giant, it will be because you were not careful to obey everything that I spoke, I spoke to you through Moses. That will be the reason. Okay, if it happened that you ran away from a giant, okay, because of disobedience to the laws of Moses, are you following my point? What will be the reason? Because you were not careful to meditate in that word day and night. Let's now, let's shorten everything. If Joshua ever ran away from a giant, it was because he did not meditate in the Bible, in his, the book of the law, day and night. When he did only day, he tackled some middle-level giants. When he did only night, he tackled another set of middle-level giants. But when he did day and night, there was no giant that he could not tackle. What I'm going to say, the key to success for Joshua was not in military training. What was the key to success for Joshua? It's in meditating in God's word. Now, if I ask an average person, is it a sin? Like I said, okay, you don't study, you don't meditate on the word of God regularly. It doesn't look like a terrible sin. But if you collect another person's wife, we will hang you. But God said, do you know why you did that? You see why life may appear hard. As if this life is too strong. We can't help but sin. It's because we don't put our energy into the right places. <laughs> People who have disobeyed, who don't have to... And I told you that one of the things that used to make me laugh those days. We don't see in Bible study again. He say, you know, on Saturdays I wash my clothes. Remember what they say, courageous. They are not courageous enough to wear dirty clothes. <laughs> it takes courage to wear dirty clothes. So, you don't have many you, you have only two white shirts you were too busy no, both of them were dirty by Friday and you're going to church on Sunday Okay, or you have some other thing to do early next week and the only time you now have is what? Bible study time do you know what happened to some people? they will say let me forsake going to study the word let me wash my clothes and guess what? it's reasonable to most of us but God said this is why you commit adultery it is in that you don't realize that dirty clothes don't kill. You don't realize that if you have a stain on your shirt, so what? It will not affect your eternity in any way. But if Joshua were to meditate during the day and not meditate at night, they would have opened himself for a terrible mistake. Can you see what I'm trying to say? If life is looking very rough, God says, get a book, sit in one corner. I don't miss Sidney Sheldon. <laughs> it's not for your mind. It is to take what? The word of God. Okay, what I want to teach today, which let me just introduce Let me see how far of it, how much of it I can do. All right? Now, don't laugh what I'm about to say. Everything I've said up to now is an introduction to my message. I, I want you not to laugh. I want you not to laugh. Thank you. He has closed his mouth. He's not laugh. Okay, laugh, laugh. So I don't die there. <laughs> because... Are you cool after inside? I know you want to laugh at me, but I'm not lying to you. This was not my message. This is just introduction. I thought this would take me five minutes. Took an hour just to thank the Lord. But let me now preach my message. I hope you don't mind. We'll still go home. You know, culture of faith. I want to explain the reason why Christians have this culture. Again, maybe I'll, I'll split it in next time. Let me just introduce it, okay? Now, let me introduce this. Now, you've understood what I've said up to this particular point. Let's, let's get this point again. 
We discussed it a number of times. As we are joking, but actually it's not a joke. I say that Christianity is actually a cult. Now when I say a cult, please get my point. I'm trying to get something to us, make something real for us. I don't mean it's a secret society. That's not my emphasis. As in not everybody can come in. That's not what I mean. When I say it's a cult, I want to bring it to a spiritual dimension that most Africans can relate with. It's like being in Oboni. That's what I mean. You know what they call Oboni? I'm using that illustration because that's the most well-known of Nigerian society, you know, cults and stuff like that. It's belonging to a mysterious sect. That's precisely what it is. I want us to understand it. And as it's not secret society, it's like a cult. In spiritual things, cults have levels. Every group has a level. If all of you, all the witches in your neighborhood, you being the chief witch, gather together and form a, co- form a coven, in spiritual ranking, you will be placed somewhere. And now, what I've told you is a matter of fact. And if you're the chief of your coven, all right, understands things, if you ever get into conflict with the, another coven, he or she will know whether this is a higher order or a lower order. Now, the small, small members of the cult that don't know anything, they get into fights with people that are bigger than them, and they die. But the chief one may not die, knowing that bigger boys have come. So let us what? Rest. Let's not fight. What I've told is a matter of fact. In, in spiritual things, there's hierarchy in all of these things. Some of the smallest ones that exist, actually, is what you and I call witches. They are, so, they are, they are weak. They are not near where the principalities operate. That's why they can be fighting on mundane things. The ones that operate serious things, they don't fight on mundane things. They fight on who controls a nation. That's what they fight about. I've told you all this pre-prayer. Oh, my enemy, die by fire, die by fire. It shows you are not going anywhere. Because the spiritual people you are talking about, the real ones, they don't have your time. They're not your enemies. Who are you? Look at how poor you are. How can they be your enemies? You are not worth their time. When they want to cast spells, they are, think of, they are thinking of Muhammad Buhari. When they want to cast spells, they are thinking of uh, Yemi Oshibajo. They come to a new good, they want to cast spells. They are thinking of Ifa Yuguayi. They don't have time for a jobless, you know, jobless job seeker. Say so that they don't want me to prosper. <laughs> Do you give out oil blocks? They don't want you to prosper. Do you give out oil blocks? When you hear that oil block licenses is expiring. Look, go and read Strive Masiwa's blog. When Strive wants to go for bidding, GSM licenses. And that's why I want to talk about that cult activity of Christianity. Strive will gather boys. I am going to, to uh, what do you call it? What name of the, maybe Lesotho or Swaziland. I am going to bid for GSM license. So the court boys will gather in the office and be supporting him in the name of Jesus. We have the victory in the name of Jesus. That's how they do. Why? Because he understands that when you are dropping 200 million naira dollars for a license, village witches don't come there. You can make it, you can dewitch a village witch with ten dollars. 
go to the market, buy her a pack, dash the woman, she can't fly again. <laughs> Please go on this Strive Masiwa's blog. You will see principalities fighting him in his home country of Zimbabwe. And you see, he said one day he got a phone call. He doesn't know who called him. They let him know that, oh boy, you are going to prison tomorrow. Then he will disappear. Please go and read his blog. Somebody compiled the other day. We joined those who are saying that every power, he said, I will not prosper. My, my, my mother's witches, my mother's rivals in the village. Aggregation of poor people. The real cause, please listen to me. They export oil. They import oil. They fight for drilling license. The deal in licenses was $500 million. They don't have time. For people who are fighting over village land. 500 square meters. When those people who have been in those courts, when they manifest, they buy the whole village. When they offer your igwe half a million dollars, he can't see straight again. <laughs> half a million. Under five million dollars, you will sell the inheritance of your grandchildren. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. I'm also, how did I get there? <laughs> Please, people of God, I'm telling you something. Christianity is a cult. That is in that regard. I was talking about different levels. The real big ones. They are not witches and wizards. They are not these small, small witches and wizards. You know Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton was running for election. This guy, this Australian prophet, what's his name? Neville Johnson. He said Americans pray. When Americans Christians prayed over that election, they were fighting something serious. That they were going to have a practicing witch in the White House. So please forget all this small, small witchcraft that's not letting you pay school fees. This is not what we are talking about. So when you see courses, activities, they are in ranks. Let me end my message here. The highest of them is inferior to the one we call Christ. Because Christ is not just the name of a person. It's the name of his group. It's the name of his coven. It's the name of his cult, if I may use that expression. It's not a secret society. It's open to everybody who will have faith in the man, Jesus. Because that was the manifestation of God on the earth. Believing in God is not what gets you in there. It's believing in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is what gets you in there. Now, what I'm trying to say to you is this. The highest of the high cults in the world is inferior to the one of Christ. Don't ever forget what I've said. That is why you will never, ever hear me praying prayers about witches. Those are not important prayers. They are mundane prayers. Those are low-level things. Let me say another thing to you. Don't worry about them. What did I say? You are higher than they are. Where you are, they don't come near. And guess what? The ones that really... You know, I said there are some crazy people that don't know what they are doing, where they are. They, they are chiefs who know stuff. If they come near you, they perceive your strength of spirit and they draw back. You don't have to be aware. As a child of God, if the head of Oboni comes to your house, if he shakes your hand, hmm, 
he will draw back. I've told you, those who say that their mother-in-law is a witch, and for that reason, a prophet has told you, don't let her come to your house again. When she comes, she, she leaves something under the sink and under the, the cocoa of the car, that is the sump of the engine, and under the steering. That is why after your mother-in-law leaves, you, you start having an accident, you jam somebody, you fall into gutter. For your information, why that happened last time was that after your mother-in-law left, there was no peace between you and your wife. Because both of you go to MFM, so you were not seen straight again. You are started, yeah, I'm telling you the truth. So you've been praying rubbish prayers. That had discomfited your heart, your spirit. So when you're driving on, you don't see straight again. The woman didn't do anything. She just came normally. That black thing you saw is spice. It's not meg blended. <laughs> it's not juju. Have you seen spices? Be like portion. All our spices be like portion. <laughs> you know, witchcraft portion. Your mother is not a witch. Forget that. If she was a real witch and you're a real Christian, this is what I'm trying to explain to you. She will not want to come to your house. That's where I'm going. Listen, I'm not joking about that. If the woman was a real witch, a real one, a real one, and you are a real Christian, you don't need to tell her not to come. She will not come. Every time demons came near Jesus, they were the ones that complained. What have we to do with you? They wouldn't if they had the option. They wouldn't come near him. Is the man that they possessed that looking for deliverance ran towards Jesus. And the moment they came to his presence, they were the ones that complained. So you driving your in-law or your mother, of course, when I say mother-in-law, your mother, because some people, their mothers are the witches according to the fake pastor, alright? You driving highway is proof that either you needing to tell her not to come is either she's not one or you are not a Christian. You're just a junior which was afraid. Or an ignorant person. A true active believer is the witches that don't want to come. That's why I can't, God sees my heart, I will never pray. Witches, you won't come near my house. They don't want to come. Have you ever prayed? All the flies, don't come near the stove. <laughs> Let's join our hands in this house. Every cockroach that wants to come near our stove, he will not succeed. It's obvious your stove is not on. It's not on. It's not on. I used to do one wicked thing. Those days, nobody should do it too. And I catch an ant. I say, go away. Don't go away. I throw it on top of the pot. You know, the, the top of the pot. You know that top. Which is the coolest part of the pot. It will try to run away. It doesn't know where to go. You go this way, hot. You go this way, hot. I was standing up. You watch it. I told you not to go. Don't do this. That's wickedness. You understand my point? I'm older now. You know, children do all kind of foolish things. But are you seeing that? Do I need to tell them? Don't go? No, they, they, they don't want to come. Because they understand hierarchy. So the story here some time ago of a Benin chief who grew up in the occult. By the time this man gave his life to Christ, he was in his 60s. So he wasn't a small boy. When I heard him preach, he was over 70. He grew up in the occult. He said, look, his, his wife and children were Christians. So he didn't have any problem with that. Do you know why? He's used to many gods. So there's this God they worship called Jesus. It doesn't bother him. Are you getting my point? We don't have any problem. I worship my own local Bini gods. They worship this strange one from, where did he come from? Is he Rome or from Nazareth? They said, hmm, strange God. Nice guy. No, no, nothing. He said, my gods, I heard him preach. He said, my gods have been good to me. 
in the 70s when Naira exchanged for 75 Kobo to the dollar. He said, I had over a million Naira, which in today is like having 400 million Naira. He said, I had it. He said, but I grew up with this thing. I didn't see anything wrong with them. He said, the day I was delivered. He didn't even know he needed deliverance. It was his, his wife and his children that turned, brought Wahala to the house. They started going to church. They believed in Christ Jesus. They began to pray for their father. One day, I suspect it was Jesus by himself. He was sleeping. He said, somebody tapped me and woke me up. I didn't see anybody, but I knew somebody woke me up. And the person said, get up. Go into your shrine, that a room where he kept all his gods and his sacrifices. Pack everything into bags. He put them in two bags. He said, I had not driven in a long time. He said, the man said, drive. He said, I couldn't see anybody. This is why I'm telling the story. Let, let me tell you the end, then I'll tell you why I'm telling the story. Made him drive to the river in Benin. By the time I got to that river, it was 4 a.m. Told him to toss the bags into the river. Entered the car, drove back home. And that was the end of his occultic life. He said, you will ask me, why was I obeying somebody I could not see? Now, that's not talking about it. He said, if you have been in the occult, you will know when a power bigger than you is talking to you. He had never met Jesus. He didn't know who he was. But his invisible presence... Yet he knew that this is a man you don't disagree with. You are dealing with a force that's stronger than everything he had lived with for over 60 years. He obeyed him without complaint. He could feel it that I've been overpowered. I'm not dealing with something I'm used to here. Listen to me. That's what Christianity is. This is what Christianity is. So this one Johnny has, you know, fighting witches, all the witches against my destiny. You are your your stove is off. Let's next week next time the please come back. Let's talk about put, putting fire on that stove. Your witch of a mother-in-law does not want to come to your house. If she wants to come, please forget that prophet. Forget that prophet. He has lied to you. That woman is not a witch. She needs your help. She needs your company. You need to pray for her. If she doesn't want to come, invite her. Mommy, come. Ah. As you come, yes, let her come. Let her stay. Make her comfortable. Give her the best. You release a blessing that will affect your children. Next time, we read Joshua chapter 1, right? We pick it from that point. I need to talk about the meditation life of a believer. I just want to establish the fact that we are in a cult. And when we are in cult, we have chants also. It's that chant I was trying to get to. We have to do crazy things. People have to look at you. They know that there are times you do crazy things. Don't be ashamed to do your incantation. Exile wants to start. Don't bend your head. Keep your head so let your classmates know. Say you don't, you know, you, you, you are in something. Do, are you getting my point? He that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will, do your eye like that. <laughs> I will say of the Lord, this is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in whom I trust. We are in something. When we were young, those are one of the earliest things we learned. Watching the Yoruba dramas. For those of you who didn't grow up in the West, you didn't watch local Yoruba dramas, you didn't, you didn't watch anything. This own video, they used English to spoil it. Those of you see the Babala will wear a bag of cowries and be vibrating. He will take a leaf and begin to talk to the leaf until it turns to a bird. No, we thought it was just film until we read the story of um, Balaam. No, no, this is not a joke. Everything they had, they had the story around everything. 
Then when I became a believer, I said, ah, that's how it is. These are spiritual truths. You take the book, there's a story about your life. Tell it to yourself once in a while. Ah, those days, you know, you know, Yorubas have a very strong culture in some things. They have something that I like. Every family has what we call oriki. You may have heard about it. It's praise. So those days when I would go home, my grandmother, my mom's mother, will put me on her knees and begin to recite things. I didn't know what it was. Everybody would be smiling. It's a family praise. It's a family praise. She would recite it. You know, she knew the long verses. It was traditional. Look, it was traditional. Every time we entered, came for holidays, once we entered the house, hey, she sees her grandchildren. She'll pick you one by one. I remember she put me on her laps and begin to recite the praises of the family. Come on, these are spiritual operations. I can remember a few lines now. I, for later, my mother told me that the thing is very long. She just to give us the first stanza. Go ahead, Psalm 119. Standard stanza like that. <laughs> Next time I'll talk about it. There are times... Even me, as I'm saying, I'm realizing I have to, I have to pick up in some areas. Periodically, you should write, sit down, write an oriki for each of your children. You don't always have to be spontaneous in Christianity. When they came to Jesus, said, "Teach us how to pray." They didn't mean give us the principles of prayer. Tell us what to say. Those are parts of the cultures that Christians have. It's not just look. I describe that cult thing to let. It's not just a let's do money devotion. This is that day your children are wondering that daddy have finished this song. Let's go somewhere. <laughs> Let them know pay. Agbara time has come. You know what they call Agbara time? You know what you think Agbara la? Let them know that it's power time. Let's come and eat sacrifices. Everybody let us eat. Everybody say, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we need to do some of this. Everybody will know that we are not joking. People will, will, be, will be praying stupid prayer for that, for that and that. You know, we need to, you take the word of God. You know, are you getting my point? You inhale it. Exhale upon the household. Like I said earlier, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Let everybody know that we're not just reciting, we are incantating. I like that word. We're invoking spiritual power. God told Moses, say to Aaron and to his sons, thus we bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them. It wasn't like, may the Lord bless you. No, it was a commandment. The Lord bless you. That is, there is the name of God. He said, place my name on them. As they are traveling, say to them, the mighty one of Israel is upon you. As they are moving, you understand my point? He that keepeth Israel, who neither sleeps nor slumbers, is going with you. We are dealing with spiritual power here. And we have the highest. The only problem is we don't attend to it. Let's bow down here to pray. We'll talk about it next time. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Let's give him thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. If you are blessed, they give me an amen. amen. Now I declare to you that goodness will go with you. Amen. God's mercy will not depart from you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Safety is your portion. Amen. Even if you happen to be on the road at 12 midnight, safety is your portion. Amen. If you are inside your house, safety is your portion. Amen. Remember, safety is not the absence of danger. It is that you are in the presence of God. 
and God's presence is with you. I declare again, God's presence will go with you. Amen. You will never depart from his presence. Amen. The Lord will constrain you like he constrained Jacob. Amen. That even if you want to go mad, he will refuse. Amen. Say amen. No? amen. Because sometimes we human beings, we can behave like say we smoke something. No matter what you smoke, you will be in the will of God. Amen. Let me say that again. No matter what you inhale, you will only do the will of God. Amen. No matter how much you want to disobey God, God will not let you disobey him. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That mouth you want to use to tell the lie, an angel will grab it for you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. The money you want to use to do a bad thing will go missing. Amen. But you, you will not disobey God. Amen. When you want to do a good thing, goodness will bring favor to you. Amen. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The ability, the wisdom, the resources to do that which is good, it will never be lacking in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When they want to defraud you, eh? that day your account will hang. Amen. I'm telling you, God will constrain you. Amen. You will walk in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The day you want to join a gang that will lead you astray, you will offend one of them, they will slap you, you will run away. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I just feel strong. God will not let you go. Amen. God will not let you go. Amen. You will serve his purpose in this your life. And remember, your destiny in his hand is great. Amen. The plan he has for you is better than what you can ever imagine. Amen. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Amen. And you will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. If you are here and you are ill anywhere in your body, I cause that pain, I cause that affliction, I cause that sickness, I command it to go. Amen. You, health is your portion. Don't forget, when you see a sick person, lay hands on the person. You will see the sick get healed. Amen. You will see a miracle. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.